0: Hello and welcome to this edition of the Ian Abernethy Podcast. You can watch videos and listen to other podcast episodes by visiting www.ianabernethy.com. So, without further ado, here's Ian Abernethy. Hello everyone, I'm Ian Abernethy and welcome to the latest podcast in which we'll be discussing the black belt and the grading system. Uh, Just before we get into that, I've got one exciting piece of news for you. Uh, within the next week or so, the new and improved website will be going live. So I don't want to say too much uh, just about all the extra kind of goodies we've got for you, but um, it has everything that the existing site has and quite a bit more besides, and we'll be adding new functionality to it as the weeks go by as well. So. Um, I'm really confident you're going to find it you know, a great addition. Uh, the, the improvements that we've made, and that the new and improved version of the site will be an even greater uh, resource for you all. So yeah, just keep an eye on your inbox, and, and we'll, we'll uh, let you know about that as soon as it's live. But there's you know a lot of work's gone into this, and there'll be a lot more um, coming soon as well. So uh, I'm very excited about this, and um, I'm looking forward to sharing that to, that with you all. So uh, yeah, keep an eye on your inboxes. I think you're going to enjoy what we've got in store um anyway back to this month's uh, podcast um uh, we're going to be discussing the black belt and the grading system and all the problems and pitfalls that are associated with it so i'll end this brief introduction and hand you over to me <laughs> In this month's podcast we'll discuss the always controversial topic of the coveted black belt. On internet forums, message boards and on the letters pages in the martial arts magazines we frequently see discussions on how standards are falling, the black belt does not mean what it once did and how there's no uniform standard anymore. So in this podcast I'd like to give my take on the black belt and the pluses and pitfalls associated with the grading system in general. The idea of ranking students to recognise a level of achievement and to ensure they are receiving the correct uh, level of instruction for their ability is nothing unique to the martial arts and we can find it in most endeavours. At school I took exams as I'm sure you did to test my level of understanding and then my performance in these exams would then determine what group I would be in for that subject the following term. So testing and ranking like this is common to many forms of education and this includes physical skills too. My children have ranking in many of the interests that they pursue, and that includes music, dancing, archery, gymnastics, swimming, and so on. The use of belts to reflect ability originates in the sports departments of the Japanese education system, uh, most prominently in swimming. Uh, Jigoro Kano, the founder of Judo, was the first to adopt this method of uh, acknowledging rank within the martial arts in the mid-1880s. However, at this time it was not simply um, the kind of standard belt as we would know them today, but it was just the standard belt you'd use for uh, tying up a kimono. And it was not until 1907 that the modern judo gi and what we would recognise as modern belts were adopted. Uh, the popularity of judo led to the karate community uh, borrowing many of judo practices, and this included the belt system. So this belt system is just over 100 years old and its use coincides with the shift from martial arts being practiced almost entirely for their functional use to a situation where the arts are being practiced for their potential benefits on health and character. So whereas in the past someone's skill would be measured by their ability to dispatch enemies on a battlefield or to protect themselves and their families from violence, now skill was more frequently measured by a formal ranking system. And it's here that we have one of the first problems with the modern ranking system, and the belt system has become detached from the original objective, such that it has become independent and is frequently not a reflection of combative skill. Now, the aim for many people has shifted from the acquisition of skill to the acquisition of rank. Now this would not be an issue if the combative skill and rank were directly uh, related but frequently they're not. And now this isn't an inherent problem with the ranking structure as such it's a problem that derives from the introduction of artificial success criteria and what I mean by that is uh, progress being judged on false criteria such as aesthetics, uh, performance being valued over application, uh, style purity being valued over functionality and so on. It's my view that in the martial arts we should always measure by effect Now, for a more detailed breakdown of um, artificial success criteria and these problems, uh, please listen to the Karate's Three Biggest Mistakes podcast, which can be found on uh, ianabernethi.com. The point, though, is that combative skill and rank should be closely tied to one another. Uh, And if we focus on acquiring combative skill, rank will be a natural consequence of that. However, we have this all too common disconnect through artificial success criteria, and people tend to concentrate on acquiring rank and use that as an intentional or unintentional distraction from acquiring combative skill. That was an example of this. I mean, I recall teaching a class for a friend uh, quite a uh, long time ago where I did the usual of concentrating on the practical function of everything. Um, so I helped this girl do this particular manoeuvre. As I walked away from her, I heard her say to a friend, um, "Look, I do wish you wouldn't do this. You know, I came here to learn karate, not how to fight." <laughs> now, now, to me, karate and learning to fight are one and the same thing. But, but, you know, the grading system can provide a disconnect, and that's one of the first issues surrounding the grading system if it's not correctly uh, employed. You know, as we see in the case of this uh, of this of this girl. Um, Another frequently uh, voiced problem uh, about the grading system is the lack of a uniform standard for the black belt within karate and martial arts in general. Now, as I just said, some see this lack of uniformity as a problem, but personally I see it as a very good thing. Now, allow me to kind of, you know, explain that. Uh, I think one thing we need to get away from is the idea that all Dan grades are, or all Dan grades should be, equal, because they're just not. You know, a Dan grade within the group is worth what it's worth and there's no meaningful uh, equality or exchange rate with other Dan grades from other groups. All a Dan grade can ever tell you is where that individual fits within the structure of the body that awarded that grade. So a first Dan that was awarded in 18 months by one group is a legitimate Dan grade within that group, but in no way is it comparable with the first Dan that took 7 years to achieve in another group. And I think we really do need to give up on the idea of all Dan grades being roughly comparable because we just know they're not, so you know w- why pretend they are now, as I said a moment ago, there are some who argue that these things need to be standardized, but I strongly object to that you know I am um, very proud of my syllabus and, and the ranking structure we have and the skills and knowledge that need to be acquired to attain a dan grade uh, within it. The grading syllabus is unashamedly demanding unashamedly elitist in the best connotation of that word. Uh, combatively holistic and it's very deep in the level of understanding that is required. Uh, it's designed to produce experts and excellence in pragmatic karate, not in sport or art or style purity or aesthetics. It is therefore not compatible with other Dan grades, who may have an entirely different testing criteria and have an entirely different expression of karate and differing standards within, o- within all of that as well. Um, now I also appreciate that, that while the holistic and pragmatic approach to karate is enjoying an exponential rise at the moment, what people like us do is still unorthodox in the larger sense. You know? So standardisation for people like us would mean a dropping standard, a dropping combative efficiency, and enforced orthodoxy. So that's why I'm wholly opposed to the idea. If we try and make everything equal, we'll always settle for the lowest common denominator. So let the bad guys do bad stuff and let's let the good guys do good stuff, you know. You know, our downgrade is worth what it's worth, just as downgrades from everywhere else, good and bad, are worth what they're worth. The only thing they have in common is that they are internal markers of, e- of achievement. They have no value as external markers because downgrades are not compatible between groups. You know, they're for different things and different levels. Of course by not making things equal, and avoiding mediocrity, we have to accept that there is no common denominator and that downgrades will vary greatly. Uh, now personally I think that's the better way to go, and a price worth paying for vitality and diversity within karate and its many expressions. It's also important to keep at the forefront of our thinking that acquiring skill should always be the aim, not the acquiring of the belt or rank supposedly used to reflect that skill. Now, while ranking may vary greatly across the various groups, combative skill is combative skill and it's not subject to variable value judgments in the same way that grades are. We're all as good as bad as we are. Now, tomorrow, if someone promoted me to 10th, Dan, it wouldn't make me any better. It would have no effect on my skill level. Just if someone demoted me to 10th Q tomorrow would have no effect either. As internal markers within a given group, I think grades can have value and meaning. As common external reflections of skill, they are valueless. And I think the martial arts would benefit from getting that message out. We should educate the public that there is no overall standard and that we are all as good as we are. And the certificates and belts are not meaningful reflections of ability in a wider sense. They are nothing but in-house markers for progress within a given group. It is perhaps only when we combine the grade with knowledge of the awarding body that we have something that's potentially externally meaningful. Now, I know that these days, when someone tells me what their rank is, the next question I ask is, you know, and who awarded you that? If I know of the group's general standard, I'll have a much better chance of ascertaining a rough sense of the skill level. Now, it's no substitute for watching somebody move, of course, but in the absence of that opportunity, mashing up grade and group has to suffice. Now, when I ask what group awarded a grade, I do so because I may have an understanding of the standard of the group, and hence that information may help me to gain a rough idea of the individual standard. One other problem we sometimes have is politics and prejudice. Some individuals may take the view that their group's grades are always legitimate, but any other group's grade are illegitimate. Now you could make a case for this within, uh, with regards to standard, if you insist in thinking that grades across groups should be comparable. But often as not, that's not the case. Right? Uh, frequently we see politics being the root cause of this prejudice where a person's rank, regardless of their actual skill level, is regarded as illegitimate because they don't have the approved political ties. Uh, politics is politics and has no bearing on actual martial ability. Good martial artists are good martial artists, regardless of whether they choose to affiliate to the official governing body, the true successor of the style, or affiliate directly to a governing body based in the country of origin of the art in question. Now this brings me to the issue of prejudice. I would sincerely hope that everybody listening to this would accept that a person's country of origin or ethnicity has no bearing on their ability or legitimacy as a martial artist. Whether a person is European, African or Asian uh, Asian origin is an irrelevance and to think otherwise is inaccurate and highly unsavoury. I therefore find the idea that a grade is only legitimate if awarded by someone of Japanese origin, to be both plain wrong and to be honest quite offensive. Karate first reached mainland Japan in the 1920s and hence it's only been in Japan for around 90 years karate reached the UK over 50 years ago and I think we must be doing something very wrong if none of our practitioners are able to legitimately assess people after all this time. Now if you think like it took Utsuka 12 years from when he first saw Funakoshi demonstrate uh, in 1922 to the recognition of Utsuka's Wadaru as a separate style in 1934 then is there no one in the UK who can stand on their own two feet after 50 years? Now I'm sure Utsuka was an incredibly talented guy, he was a well respected jujitsu master before taking up karate, and he created one of the world's most popular systems. But there are talented people in the UK too, and having had four or five times as long as Utsuka to develop their independence, you'd like to think we'd have some sort of sense of value for our highly skilled practitioners that originated from within these shores. Uh, To my mind, we should have uh, respect for all skilled martial artists, regardless of their ethnicity or country of origin. Now, sadly, in some quarters, uh, there are some people who hold to the belief that only those of Japanese origin can legitimately award grades. Now, I'll leave it to them to ask themselves why they hold this view and to hopefully work through it. So anyway, so we have no uniform standard, and sadly, politics and prejudice can play a part. Um, The value of a grade may therefore be best judged by the sense of achievement that it can bring to those who have had the grade awarded to them and the value the individual places on the opinion of those awarding the grade. So if i used myself an e- as an example. I- I'm currently the holder of two separate uh, and independently awarded fifth dance. The first one of those was awarded to me by Jeff Thompson and Peter Considine in 2004. Uh, both men are incredibly talented karateka and have a well-earned worldwide reputation for their revolutionary work in bringing realism back to the fore of martial practice. They've both had a big influence on my martial arts, and I therefore have a great deal of respect for them and their opinions, so getting a fifth Dan from them means a lot to me. Uh, The other fifth Dan I have comes from Doug James' eighth Dan. Uh, Doug was my principal instructor for over 20 years, and his demanding instruction, combined with his open-mindedness to the martial arts in general, played a major part in getting me to where I am now. Uh, Doug's recognition of my progress and skill level through the award of my 5th and therefore it also means a great deal to me. So what is important to me is that these grades mean something to me. Jeff, Peter and Doug have all you know very good reputations so the grades may have value to some as external markers of quality. However it would be better and I'd prefer it if people were to judge me for my skill and not the external recognition of it. As I said previously we're all as skilled as we are. You know, the rank we have may or may not reflect the skill, but it doesn't change it. You know, As good as we are, the, the rank that we hold doesn't change that skill level. Grades are not good external markers. And the true value of a grade is perhaps best defined by the value the recipient places upon it. Um, OK, so this brings us to another point. So is there a case for getting rid of gradings? Um, if we're all as good as we are, then there is there any real value to keeping the grading structure? To use an example, a friend of mine who has a modern approach to the martial arts got rid of the grading system that had been employed in his study of the traditional martial arts. Um, So when he taught he didn't have a grading system. What he found was that he had issues with students being convinced that they were ready to move on from certain training methods and certain techniques when they were not ready. The result was that he decided, uh, before teaching them anything new, he would test them under pressure so that a technique or method could be demonstrated as being effectively assimilated. What he also found was that egos ran riot in some quarters as some students got themselves mistakenly convinced that they were better than other students. Uh, the result of all of this was about after 12 months he adopted a fairly traditional and fairly visible ranking system. Everything was then tested and everyone knew where they stood in the grand scheme of things. I mean, To my mind the grading structure does have more positives than negatives. However, gradings and ranks, like most things, can be a positive or negative thing depending upon how they are utilized. As internal markers of progress, I think grades can have a lot of value. As a distraction from the acquisition of true combative skill, and as a means of ensuring an authoritarian cult, you know, for example, you know, I'm the seventh and you'll all do what I bloody well say, or as a marketing tool, join us and you'll be a black belt in three months and it'll only cost you three grand, you know. Or as an external means of comparing skill levels between groups, then gradings and rank can create more problems than they solve. But done right, gradings can be uh, useful, and there is a danger of throwing the baby out with the bathwater if we decide to abandon the system altogether. I mean, Also, have you ever noticed that those who'll tell you that rank isn't important normally have a reasonably high rank? Now, <laughs> Grades were certainly pretty important to me when I was a young kid. Now, was that because I was young? Or because, you know, people knew all people knew to karate are like that. As I said though, it does tend to be high grades, you'll say that grading is unimportant. Now is that the truth or false humility from those who already have rank? You know? Now these days, you know, I hardly ever wear a belt and a gi in my own training. I do don them when I'm, I'm teaching though, especially when conducting seminars, because it's expected. But to be honest, I'd be hard pushed to tell you what the grades were of my regular circle of fellow trainers. Um, They don't wear belts either, but their ability speaks for itself, you know. Um, Rank just never comes up in conversation. Of course, you do get people who will tell you that rank is unimportant because they are incapable of achieving it. Now, hopefully we can all see through someone with little skill telling us all that grades mean nothing to them. They're often just protecting their egos from the fact that they cannot achieve those grades. Uh, Conversely, those with obvious skill, saying that grades matter little to them, are very impressive to my mind, because they've remained skill-focused and obviously have their egos well under control. Um, (laughs) Now, the other scenario is a false modesty surrounding grade. So let's, you know, take these two kind of examples, okay? So we've got huge ego number one, all right, the unsubtle ego that says, you know, I'm a fourth Dan and I need to tell you all about how I'm a fourth Dan so you all know how fantastic I am, you know? And then we have the kind of, the other one, which is like huge ego number two, which is subtle. You know, and this is the kind of guy who goes, I'm a fourth dan who wears no belt, and I will tell you that I don't think grades are important. And that makes me even more fantastic than your regular fourth dan because I'm so amazingly fantastic that I don't even care if you know how fantastic I am. (laughs) However, please be sure to ask why I don't wear a belt and uh, ask me for my view on grades so I can further dazzle you with how fantastically egoless I am, you know. (laughs) So we have people who have high rank, who say it's not important as a means to kind of indulge your ego even more. And I'm sure that most of you listening to to this will have met that guy, and if you haven't met that guy, you probably are that guy. Um, Perhaps one other thing of potential concern is Dangrades deliberately living on past glories. So they've achieved a high rank, and then they got lazy, unfit and slow, and if we're honest, their rank is now totally divorced from their ability. Now you could make a good case that they still have the knowledge from a coaching perspective, But can they demonstrate or can they inspire? It can't be particularly motivating to have a technique of first cue quality, demonstrated by an eighth Dan, followed by a discussion on the need to have discipline and work hard, from a guy who does not have the discipline to walk past the pie shop and probably can't recall what hard training felt like. Now there's no doubt that rank can be a hiding place and some would not be happy to step out from behind their rank and come out into the open. All that said, you know, knowledge does have a big part to play. And I know people who've paid their dues and can now not train as hard as they would like due to injury or advanced age. Now, the fact that such people are still so actively involved in the art they love through sharing their knowledge, um, if not through personal practice, is an inspiration. I see this as being quite different from the person who just got lazy and decided to coast on past achievements. Now, you know, the more we discuss this, you can hopefully see how complex the issue of rank can become. Now, paradoxically, perhaps, I think that getting rid of uh, rank would make things simultaneously much simpler, but also much more complicated. Uh, And on balance, I'm in favour of the grading system, although there's no doubt that it does bring problems with it, and we need to be careful to guard against those problems. Uh, To summarise some of the key points of this podcast then, okay, point one. The grading system should be constructed so that it is an actual reflection of combative skill and not a distraction or an alternative to the acquisition of such combative skill. Point two. We need to acknowledge that there is no uniform standard for grades and that this lack of uniformity is a price worth paying in order to ensure diversity and in order to avoid mediocrity and stagnation. Point three. Because of the above, grades have no value as external markers of skill and it is a pointless endeavour to compare across groups or styles and even more so across arts. Grades have value as internal markers of progress only. Now, it's my view that the public needs to be educated about this so they don't fall into the trap of thinking that all black belts are equal. Because they're just not. Point four. All grades are legitimate within the group that awarded them. It is however not legitimate to compare a black belt that took 18 months of recreational training to achieve with one that took 7 years of intensive training to achieve. Now the belts may be the same, but the martial artists wearing those belts are entirely different beasts. Point 5, the true value of a grade is perhaps best measured by the value the person awarded that grade places upon it. Point six. Politics should be kept separate from grades, and the legitimacy of grades should not be linked to political affiliations, but instead solely to the abilities and knowledge of the individual. Point seven. Grades can both suppress or encourage rampant egos, and it's all down to how the system is implemented and the attitude of the individual involved. Point eight grading exams provide an opportunity to formally test the student and hence pressure test to see if they are ready to move on to other areas of instruction. They can therefore be very useful in providing structured and measured training. Point nine, and finally, we're all as good as we are and it will be us that will be doing the fighting, not the belt we wear around our waist. An increase in rank does not lead to an increase in skill, however if your syllabus is structured correctly. An increase in combative skill should also lead to an increase in rank. The emphasis should therefore always be on developing skill. And we should never put the cart before the horse and concentrate on the acquisition of rank. Well that concludes this month's podcast. Um, You can drop me an email if you have any feedback at ian, spelled I-A-I-N, at ianabernethy.com. Uh, now, one thing I've mentioned, you know, before, and I'll mention it again: I'm always really pleasantly surprised by the amount of listeners that these podcasts get and the level of popularity that they've achieved. You know, each one gets thousands and thousands of listeners, and it just it blows me away every time I see the statistics. And, and I'm aware that the popularity of this podcast is in no small part due to the the feedback that we get from uh, listeners. So, if you've got any feedback you want to share, feel free to get in touch. If you've got suggestions for future podcasts, uh, themes you want me to explore any subject you want me to return to any suggestions at all then you know please uh, do drop me an email um, we'll we'll make sure we take your suggestions I- into account and we always uh, do our best to make sure that we bring you uh, shows on the topics that uh, are most frequently uh, requested. So, uh, yeah, everyone's feedback, you know, is, is greatly appreciated. So, you know, never hesitate to, uh, to provide it. We, we really do appreciate it and it really does help making uh, sure that these uh, podcasts are what you want them to be because we do make them for you. Um, okay, just to, before we finish, two final things to mention. Uh, the first one is that uh, don't forget about the new website, which will be live within the next uh, week or so. I'm very excited about that as I said in the introduction and I really think you'll enjoy what uh, what the new site will have to offer, so keep an eye open for that. And the final thing is a reminder of the Crossing the Pond seminar uh, in Seattle in the USA and Coventry in the UK, that's taking place in August. So that's a full weekend's training in, uh, in both countries uh, with myself. Uh, Alan Peasland who's uh, the leading uh, instructor of Jeff Thompson's real combat method great guy um, uh, like Alan a lot you know really nice guy very talented martial artist really kind of strong uh, traditional karate background as well as all the other arts he studied as well so you know great guy to train with um, we've also got of course Mark McYoung who you know one of the world's leading uh, reality based practitioners yeah you 've got uh, Chris Wilder, who uh, must be one of the you know the world 's top guys when it comes to uh, the practical application of of kata and and karate in modern world situations and of course nicholas Yang and you'll all be familiar with yang's uh, martial arts and the great books that they bring and you know the books written by his father on uh, um, uh, joint locking and uh, all aspects of the martial arts as well so it's, it's a fantastic lineup and a great opportunity for anyone interested in uh, the pragmatic application of, of traditional systems or just you know the pragmatic application of uh, the martial arts in general. Um, we've already, for the UK one, we've got people travelling from as far away as uh, Norway and Spain, so it's really going to be a, um, an international event. So if you're interested in attending that, you know, you can pop along the website, uh, you can get all the details from there, and please be sure to act as quickly as you can as well, because we don't want to leave anybody uh, disappointed. Okay so that's uh, that's enough from me for this month then uh, I'll be back with a new podcast uh, next month and thanks once again for listening in and until next month have a great month okay see you soon bye now bye bye